I don't think it takes away from the need to be educated along the way. And so that's what I'm really trying to do with this investment group that I started called NFTs Unlocked is to not only give people that premise of understanding. However, let's also talk about building long-term wealth and ultimately take some of that off the table. You're listening to The Life & Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, hey, everyone. Annie Dickerson here. And today I am thrilled to welcome back onto the show none other than Michael Kwan. Those of you who have been listening for a while know that Michael has been on the show two times before, in fact. And he just has an incredible story about financial independence. He had built his own tech enterprise early on and then really got into the fire space, financial independence, retire early. And he got into blogging and really sharing with others about his journey and how they could then achieve financial independence for themselves. And the reason that we're bringing Michael back onto the show today is to talk about something completely different, NFTs or non-fungible tokens. Many of you may have heard about NFTs and maybe you're not quite sure how they relate to crypto and the blockchain and Bitcoin and all of that stuff, or maybe your kids are into it and you're thinking, oh, this is just pictures. I don't understand the value here. And so that's exactly what we're going to dive into on today's episode, which is why I'm so excited about this, because in this conversation, Michael really breaks it down for you. In many ways, NFTs and crypto remind me of when Julie and I first got into the real estate syndication space. It seemed to us like this black box, like it was hard to really figure out whom to trust, where to find the right resources, and who the big players were. And so in many ways, I think the crypto space and the NFT space seems like at that same stage right now, it's sort of like a black box. You don't know who to trust, where to turn, how to find the information that you need to get started, which is why it's so great to have Michael on the show, because he's been in this space for a little while now, and he's tried a lot of different things. And he's also got an entire mentorship program where he teaches other about NFTs and how to get into it, what to watch out for. And in this conversation, we talk about everything from what an NFT is to how it holds value, why you would buy something like a digital picture when you can just copy and paste one, what the future of NFTs might be, how it tactically works, where to buy an NFT, when to buy an NFT, when to sell an NFT, the tax implications, and so much more. So if you are at all NFT curious, or if you're just getting started in this space, This conversation is going to be a game changer for you because Michael is really good at breaking it down into simple to understand terms, which is exactly why we wanted to have him on the show. 
All right. Before we dive in, just wanted to remind all of you that even though this show in particular is about NFTs, it sort of ties in to the overall picture of building wealth and achieving financial freedom. And as part of that journey, real estate can be a really great vehicle for helping you build that long-term wealth. So if you are new to the world of real estate syndications, we've got just the thing for you. It's our book called Investing for Good. And we have a free hardcover copy for all of you. Just go to goodegginvestments.com slash book. All right. With that, let's dive into our conversation with Michael Kwan. Michael, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing fabulous, Annie. Thanks so much for having me back. It's such uh, a yes. privilege to be here. <laughs> well, we always, always love having you on the show because each time you come, you bring something completely new and different for our audience. The first time you were on the show way back in episode number 13, you shared your story of financial independence and entrepreneurship, the growth of your financially alert blogging enterprise, real estate investing, life-fi design, and so much more. And then you came back on the show in episode 79, where you talked about your new book, The Fire Planner. And this time you're back on the show to talk about something completely different, NFTs, which is something you're now incredibly passionate about and that you're teaching others about as well. And I am super excited to learn as well. So let's start at the very beginning. So for the listeners who may not have heard of NFTs before, or they've heard this term, but they have no idea what it is, Start by telling us a little bit about what an NFT is and then share with us how you got into this space. Absolutely, Annie. And NFTs are something that we've been hearing in the media a little bit here and there. You see it in the headline news. Someone buys a JPEG for millions of dollars and they become rich overnight. And while that is true that some of this is happening out there, What's really exciting is the technology behind it. So I want to take a little bit of time just to kind of explain what an NFT is, because most of the times people don't really understand what it is other than maybe they think it's a picture or like some sort of a digital trading card. And at its fundamental, NFTs are working on the blockchain. And so people are probably like, well, what's a blockchain and what's cryptocurrency? So let's kind of understand that first, because it's all built upon some cryptocurrency and blockchain. So blockchain, like anything else, there's all these terms and jargons, no different than real estate syndications, right? You've got operators and the syndicators and the sponsors. So in the NFT space, there's just a lot of different terminology. So if we break it down, it'll be much easier to understand. So non-fungible token stands for, well, we're talking about a token that's non-fungible. So what does it even mean to be fungible? So something that's fungible is something that's interchangeable. So think of like, maybe like a, US quarter, right? It's a coin and you can interchange one quarter for another. It has the same value, 25 cents here. You switch it out and it's 25 cents there, unless for some reason it's something really rare and collector's item or whatnot. But for the most part, it's a fungible entity. You can move it in from one for another. Same thing with Bitcoin. One Bitcoin is equal to another Bitcoin in terms of value. And what non-fungible tokens are, it's adding another element that makes it very unique. So in order to do this, they can put little specific bits of information onto the blockchain that allow you to define it as unique. And so what's really interesting about this is that 
you can all of a sudden create digital assets on the blockchain. So for those of you that don't know what the blockchain is, all we're talking about is a technology where think of like Google document or Google spreadsheet, right? Everyone goes in and they share it out and everyone adds in information. And when you agree to certain changes, you can all confirm and you've got one big spreadsheet with all the master information. You all agree that this one master spreadsheet is the master copy, so to speak. And blockchain is no different. It's actually one big database out there that's distributed across many, many computers, thousands and millions of computers all across the world. And so there's certain what we call miners that are out there that are in charge of writing the information to this blockchain. And once it gets written there, it's there permanently. So let's just say, Annie, you bought some Bitcoin and it says, okay, your wallet now owns one Bitcoin and it's literally written into the chain. And the reason why it's called a blockchain is because if you buy another one, then they add in another chain and it adds on and says, okay, now you have two, but you still have the original record of the one, even if you transferred or sold it, all of that information is all in one place. So this is the whole idea of blockchain. Now, where this gets interesting is NFTs build upon this centralized database that's distributed across the world. And it allows you to create, let's just talk about the pictures, right? It'll create a unique picture and a digital stamp in time. So people like to say, okay, well, what's the big deal if you buy this JPEG, this NFT? And why do people want to pay millions of dollars for this NFT? I can just right-click on it, save it to my desktop. Right. <laughs> Isn't that the same thing? And I get to have the same value. And while that's true, you could take the digital image and put it onto your computer. You actually don't have so-called digital ownership of it. But if you're writing it onto the blockchain, all of a sudden it says, hey, Annie actually owns this special JPEG. And it allows us to see worldwide that she's the owner of this. And so all of a sudden you can start to create what's called digital scarcity, no different than any other asset, whether it's like a painting, whether it's a Chagall, whether it's a Picasso, it's something that's very unique and people are starting to realize this. And then, so they want this because there's a inherent supply and demand and markets are being created out of this. So now there's an original version. Yes. That's where the value is. The original version. And you know exactly when it got stamped into the blockchain. Yes. You know exactly the different traits that may be assigned to that picture. It might be like one of 400, let's just say, and you have number 33. And no one else has number 33 because it's non-fungible. It's unique. It can't be interchangeable with something else. And so the reason why I kind of fell into this, Annie, and I was not intending on falling into this space whatsoever, other than I do love technology. But what happened was, in my so-called fire life, right? I get to touch a lot of different things. I get to explore a lot of different hobbies. And one day my cousin called me out of the blue and he's like, Hey, you know, have you heard of NFTs? And I'm like, yeah, I've heard a little bit about it. I've seen, I saw Jack Dorsey sold some tweet for $3 million or something. I was like, that's interesting, but I don't really like risky things. So I don't want to touch this thing. He's like, no, that's cool. He's like, well, I'm texting you something. Look at your phone. And so he sent me this picture of this ape. And I was like, okay, what about this thing? He's like, well, would you pay money for it? First and foremost, I'm like, no, not really. I don't even really like apes. I like monkeys better yeah. than apes. So probably not. He's like, well, I just spent $2,000 on this thing. I was like, why? <laughs> why in the world would you spend $2,000 on a picture? And he's like, well, this is an NFT and 
it's in really high demand right now. And so I was like, okay. And I was thinking like everyone else, well, why can't I just copy this to my phone? And then I have your picture, right? Right. And what I didn't realize, of course, is that it's stamped into the blockchain. He has that specific one that's digitally assigned to him. And so he owns that. And so a couple of days goes by and he's like texting me back and he's like, Hey, guess what? This picture is now worth $6,000. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Nice. All right. Didn't think much of it. I was like, that's a pretty good return. And then another day goes by and he's like, it's now worth $13,000. So I'm like scratching my head. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. sell it. <laughs> Why would you not sell this? Thing? Right. You just pay like close to 10 grand, sell the stupid thing. He's like, no, I'm actually going to hold this. Cause like, actually I bought this with other profits that I had from some other NFTs I had. So I was like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. Cause if you're playing with house money, then why not? So another week goes by and he's like, Hey, guess what, Michael, Steph Curry just bought one of these things. And now this thing's worth $30,000. And I was just like, mind blown. I'm like, okay, that's crazy. Okay. Start telling me more. And so he started telling me more about what NFTs were. He started introducing me to the different platforms and that's how I really got into NFTs. And as I started to get into it and I started to dig into it, I unraveled an entire ecosystem, an entire world of technology that's evolving currently. And what I'm doing now is I'm actually helping other people to learn about NFTs, understand the technology behind it, how to trade it safely if they want to do that, and how to potentially find some decent profits. But what's really interesting to me is underlying technology, because it's going to touch everything from real estate investing to just general commerce, every single corporation that you can think of is going out there trying to figure out their whole NFT strategy. It's not going to be any different than when people first found like the internet and they're like, okay, I need a website. You know, Who would I go to talk to about a website? And what's going to really happen is people are starting to realize that you can actually not only hold a value in the ownership of this NFT, but you can create what's called utility. Meaning that if you're the owner of this NFT, all of a sudden you can assign different benefits. So let's just say, for example, there's a good egg investment NFT. If someone's holding the NFT, maybe they get special perks. Maybe they get access to royalties for some sort of a digital item that you created or whatnot. And eventually, I think it's really going to be played perfectly in the syndications because at some point, it'll be able to distribute royalties based on who's holding this NFT And now there's a lot of regulations that has to be figured out, but it's a natural progression. And we're going to see this coming over the next several years. So that's how I got into it. And it's just a really exciting uh, time right now. Oh my gosh. I couldn't agree more. It is definitely very exciting, but also for those of us who may not know as much about it, it's a little daunting, right? There's so much to learn and you don't want to make a mistake. It could be a costly mistake. There could be tax implications, all of this, right? So I want to first dive in and ask, so you mentioned it's like back in the day when people first discovered the internet and they were like, oh my gosh, so you can use it for all these things, right? And then there was the dot-com boom and then bust. Do you think something like that will happen with NFTs? Absolutely. (laughs) And actually, I think we're seeing that to a certain Mm. extent today. I don't think we've gotten quite to the crash yet. But anytime we have a really disruptive technology come out, sometimes a lot of the early adopters can do very well. No different than my cousin. And he's done very well talking about seven figures in the last like year. And as it goes along, more and more people kind of 
saturate the space, right? So naturally, the supply and demand will just kind of get more balanced out. And at a certain point, the supply is going to be higher than the demand. So you have to be a little bit more discerning. You have to kind of understand what it is you're looking for. You have to be able to figure out where value is instead of just kind of being lucky at the beginning. And so we're going to definitely see that no different than any other technology that's out there. However, what I will say is that even in the dot-com days, one of the stories I like to tell is that in technology, I started a tech company and I was always in technology from the earliest parts of my career. I always knew that internet and digital commerce and websites and everything was going to just really take over how we just do business. And it has. However, we didn't know exactly how it was going to look. And so during the early dot-com days, we saw these search engine wars where we had Yahoo and Lycos and Excite, Alta Vista, Dogpile. And then of course, Google came along right, and then smashed them all. And so we don't know exactly what the ultimate NFT technology is going to be that wins it all. However, I do know that there's profit opportunities in between. And if you're taking profits off the table as you go along, then you really can't lose. So that's kind of the approach that I'm taking as well as I remember back in the late 90s, I guess it was, we had just the tail end of the dot-com boom. And this is the time when Amazon was high-flying, Webvan, I don't remember that company, was high-flying, <laughs> Pets.com was high-flying, and all these other internet companies. And guess what? They all crashed and burned, including Amazon. It went down to $10 a share. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. But I knew long-term that this was a great play. And because I was also in the tech space, I also knew what they were doing in the backend, which was a lot of cloud computing, even before people even knew the term what cloud computing was. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy some of this Amazon at $10 a share. And I did. My oh. biggest regret, however, was that I didn't buy more than I did. I only bought maybe like, I don't know, like, it's just like, like 10 short, 10 shares. Or I think I bought a dozen shares or whatnot, which has done very well over time. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I can't yeah, complain about that. But if I'd bought a hundred of those, life would yeah. be very different. So I share that story in the sense that sometimes as early adopters, if we can see the longer term trend, we might not know individually which companies are going to take off or which technology is going to take off. But if we plant our seeds across a couple of different areas and one of them takes off, it can still do very well for us. I want to explore a little bit how NFTs tie into financial freedom and FIRE. Is there a pathway or is this completely separate from the FIRE movement? I'm really glad you asked that because <laughs> it's a very important question. As you know, my heart's really into helping people to find financial freedom, find financial independence. And what's fascinating is that when I share a lot about financial independence and financial freedom, it's a very long-term goal. It's a very long-term journey. You got to have a lot of patience. <laughs> you have to have some of that patience. You have to have that foresight. And I will tell you, unfortunately, the majority of people out there don't necessarily want to see the entire picture. So where NFTs come in or where other investments come in that can give you an upfront return... I think that's where people get excited. So like anything else, I think it's a vehicle. And right now, I truly believe that there's an asymmetric risk reward, meaning that the amount of money that you can put up into an NFT relative to what you can get on a return right now is kind of out of whack, meaning that like you could put maybe like, let's just say $3,000 in, could literally return like $30,000 like overnight. And so again, yes, can you lose money? Absolutely. So I think you have to definitely be careful, but it's really about more about the strategy and understanding 
what the mindset is along the way with any investment. I mean, you could do this with real estate, stocks. If you put all your money and you don't manage your risk or you don't manage your asset allocation along the way, you set yourself for potential burnout or you could potentially just lose everything. But if you're doing it a way that's diversified, if you're doing it in a way that you're pulling profits off the table, then you could do very well. And it can be a great vehicle and investment to, I think, accelerate that path to financial freedom. With that said, I don't think it takes away from the need to be educated along the way. And so that's what I'm really trying to do with this investment group that I started called NFTs Unlocked is to not only give people that premise of understanding, okay, here's some strategies that you can use to potentially make a quick buck, and that's great. However, let's also talk about building long-term wealth and ultimately take some of that off the table. And you take some of that, you put it into a real estate syndication with Annie, because then guess what? You're diversified. You're creating cash flow on other areas. And then you're not sticking all of your eggs into one basket. We'll get back to our conversation with Michael in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now, back to our chat with Michael Kwan. I love that. It's sort of like a fire starter, if you will. It gets people some early wins and that momentum and that excitement. And then they can take that and start thinking about that long term. And they have a little bit more to work with there. Okay. So now I want to get a little bit more like tactical, a feet on the ground. Like, what does this actually look like for people who have never done anything in this space? Is this like an app? Do you do this on your computer? And do you have like a gallery of these so-called JPEGs and 3D models? And what do you do with them? Is it like a digital closet or walk us through a little bit of what this looks like? Absolutely. 
So NFTs definitely come in different shapes and forms, but for our purposes, let's talk about them since we've been talking about the JPEGs or the picture images. Let's talk about that. I think for most people, they think of NFTs as digital trading cards. So if you think about like a baseball card, or maybe back in the day, we had like garbage pail cards or Pokemon cards, right? And you trade them because they have different rarities and they're just fun to collect. We're seeing a lot of that now in the space with NFTs. And so there's a couple of different places where these NFTs live. One of them is called Vivi, and that's an application that's on your cell phone and mobile app. And the cool thing about Vivi, it's very easy to understand. You essentially open up the app, and then you can convert some money into what's called gems. And these gems then get to be used to buy these digital assets. And Vivi has some very strong partnerships with big brands like Marvel, Disney, DC Comics, and whatnot. And so they've only been around actually for, I would say, a little over a year. So they've grown very quickly over the last year or so. And they actually grew astronomically at one point. And they've subsequently have come back down just because, <laughs> again, some of that momentum and the early technologies. But they're in here for the long haul, I believe. And what it is, is that you can go and buy these digital assets. So for example, we like to call the release of an NFT the drop. So let's just say on Tuesdays, they might have a drop of a new Batman NFT. And so you could go onto the application, you can get your gems ready. And let's just say it costs you 60 gems, which is equivalent of $60. You can go out there and try to essentially catch the drop, meaning that you want to buy it. So you'll go onto your phone. You no, know, like let's say the Batman one before mm-hmm. it releases. Do you know how many gems it's going to sell for? Or is it sort of a free for all kind of depends on how many people want to buy it? Great question. Yeah. So in the Vivi app, typically they'll tell you upfront how many gems it's going to be. And so you have an idea of what the cost is going into it. So even as you try to click on it, if there's a lot of demand though, what happens is you may not even get to buy it. You might be fighting against like 100,000 other people and there may be only 30,000 of them. So in the last year, in the last six months, there's been a lot of just huge demand of people trying to buy these things. And so people are clicking on their phone as fast as they can. They've resorted to using like what's called bots or robots and scripts. And they're not supposed to do that, but it causes issues because people can't click that fast. And so there's this constant kind of cat and mouse game of trying to get an edge and get the NFT. And then later on, there's a secondary market, meaning that you can sell the NFT later on, let's just say two or three hours after the drop on their marketplace you can sell them essentially for gems. So when I first started out on Vivi, I started out, maybe I bought one for, I would say, I think like 80 gems was the first one I ever bought. And then I was able to flip it just two or three hours later for 1400 gems. And so, yeah, I was like, oh, this is fun. This is a nice return on my gems. And so I took that and then I used to then buy the first ever Spider-Man NFT. So there's only a thousand of these ever in existence. And so I was like, I got to get my hands on one of these. And so it was the equivalent of $400 or 400 jumps at the time. And luckily I snagged one, even though everyone was trying to get it. And so I still hold that to this day. And it's had some crazy swings up and down, but it got as high as $100,000 in gems or, or whatnot. And it subsequently come back down and it's maybe like 30 or 40. But that's kind of the wild nature of these NFTs and the marketplaces that they live in. You'll see that people really get hyped up because they want these NFTs. 
So Vivi is one place to buy and sell these things. And then there's another platform that lives on the Ethereum blockchain. So we talked about the different blockchains earlier. There's Bitcoin and then there's Ethereum. These are the two biggest blockchains out there. Bitcoin doesn't have the technology to be able to get additional information to create a non-fungible token. So Bitcoin's always just going to be a store of value. It's going to think of it like as a digital gold. But Ethereum, Ethereum has the ability to write an additional code so that you can make these non-fungible tokens. So Ethereum's the main blockchain where most people write their NFTs and create their NFTs. Although there's now probably several others that people are starting to use. But for the most part, people are using Ethereum. So this is where I was telling about my cousin and he bought this ape. And for some of you, you may have seen it now in the news, but these are called Bored Apes. And so Bored Apes are a project that he had bought into. And now the lowest price for one of these is, I think about 120 ETH or so. And multiply that by 3000, which is the price of ETH as we talk today. I mean, he went from $2,000 to 300 plus thousand dollars in less than a year. So it's pretty crazy. It's pretty insane. And is that going to happen all the time? Absolutely not. However, again, if you're putting yourself and positioning yourself and you're aware of some of these opportunities, then you can at least kind of expose yourself to the potential. And even just this last weekend, there was a release, a drop called Moonbirds, and people were spending two ETH, two, oh, sorry, 2.5 ETH to buy this, this bird, which is kind of expensive, right? You're almost like eight or $9,000, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they've been selling them off for about 20 to 30 today. So that's a quick 10x yeah. on your, your money. Can you lose money if you, like, let's say you get one of these in the original drop, right? It sounds like everything's just kind of goes up from there. But have you ever seen a case where there's a drop and there's a certain price and then it actually comes down or has that never happened? <laughs> actually, that happens the majority of the time. <laughs> so, really? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, when I do share these stories, do know that some of these are outliers, right? And in the beginning, I would say like, just like maybe a year ago, maybe some of that was more like pretty much most of the projects were going up like that. But now because the supply has now increased, most of the projects actually, they, what we like to call pump and dump, meaning that they kind of go up and then all of a sudden they kind of crash back down. So you have to be very selective on the projects that you're targeting, the projects that you're choosing, and you kind of have to know when to get in and out. Otherwise, yeah, if you buy it for, let's just say one ETH, right? That's about $3,000, right? If you hold on to that and you don't exit at the right time, then guess what? Then that pretty much can go to zero or close to zero. And then you're holding this NFT that literally could just be this JPEG that has no associated value or perceived value. (laughs) Right. Right. Oh, that's so good to know. I thought just like, oh, you buy one and they all just magically go up. And (laughs) so that's really good to know there's So there's the timing element. So you really have to know for each individual NFT, sort of what the projected, like the timeline and the life cycle of it will be. And with the supply and demand, it sounds like, so there's a lot of economics coming into play. Absolutely. And there's a lot of tools nowadays where you can go in and chart the prices and you can kind of see the different straddles. And so it gets kind of technical, right? Like kind of like yeah. stock analysis and whatnot. And whether or not it's actually viable long-term, it's still helpful to kind of see like the volume when things are moving. Yeah. 
And if you can potentially sell it off into a market that's in high demand. But ultimately, the idea is to, of course, buy it at a lower price. And a lot of times when you buy these things at what's called mint, meaning that you're buying it from the project directly in the beginning, it's going to be a lot lower if it's a high demand project. So let me just give you an example. In the case where I was just talking about this Moonbirds project, it was 2.5 ETH from directly from the project provider. So because there was so much demand for it, you had to get on what's called an allow list or a whitelist in order to even have the opportunity to buy it because too many people want to buy it. And they had a set number of 10,000 of these. So they had 10,000 allow list participants that basically had these. And so everyone was minting them. And because other people that didn't get it wanted it, there's demand for it, right? There's more demand than there was supply. And because of that, it pushes the price up and up and up. And the reason why this was so, I think, in demand is because the individual behind it is very influential in the VC space. And they're really looking to use this as an incubator for other things and providing additional utility, meaning that they're going to give other benefits by just holding this NFT. So sometimes if you hold an NFT, they might give you other NFTs or they might give you access to special clubs, special events, special perks. And that's where NFTs get, gets very interesting because you can associate all these different types of utility to them. Yeah. And it almost sounds, as you're talking about it with the gems, right? It almost sounds like a game. Like you're playing this game, you put in some money and you're like, okay, now I'm going to buy this NFT and I'm going to sell it. But of course, there's the silent partner in all of this, right, Uncle Sam? And so tell us a little bit about the tax side of things and how does that all play out? Absolutely. And you know, I will say this first and foremost, a lot of what we're talking about today, you know, of course, it's not financial advice. And you're right. A lot of this right now is evolving. So in terms of Uncle Sam, you're right. They, they want their cut. And they're still trying to figure out even how to be able to understand cryptocurrency and how to tax that efficiently (laughs) and regulate that. And so Biden just recently released his executive order for the different organizations like the SEC and the SEC and all these different organizations to figure out, okay, how do we look at cryptocurrency and who should be regulating what? And so now these bills are getting introduced and people are trying to figure it out. So it is coming it is a little bit of the Wild West because there's nothing necessarily specifically in place. And interim though, for the most part, they've said, okay, well, NFTs are simply going to be like buying a commodity, essentially. And so because you're buying these NFTs with cryptocurrency, whether it's Ethereum or if you've converted it to gems, you have to kind of take a snapshot of when you're actually buying these things and what the price is of the cryptocurrency at the time. So this gets pretty complex. So what I do is I use a software, tax software called Cointracker. And so they help you to figure out, you can connect all of your different cryptocurrency wallets where you would store your different cryptocurrency or your NFTs. And they'll help you to figure out, okay, at what point did you actually buy this? And what was the price of the cryptocurrency at that point in time? And do you have a taxable event? And then they kind of help you to calculate it. So you do want to be able to to keep good records. I think it's prudent. I don't think right now, because it's so new, they're probably not going after everyone because they can't, they don't even know themselves. But for me, I just want to have a best practice regardless to know 
with a reasonable degree of certainty, okay, this is generally what's happened. This is the profit and loss in terms of the overall price of the cryptocurrency relative to the NFT. So yes. hopefully that kind of yes. answers that a little bit. <laughs> yes. No, absolutely. It's great to know that there are tools out there to help you track those things so that you don't have to dig up all that information yourself and track it yourself. But you can use a tool like that to make sure that you're staying in compliance and paying mm -hmm. the right taxes. And so that's great. So now I want to switch gears before we wrap up the show. I want to dive into your program, NFTs Unlocked. So tell us a little bit more about that. What I love about you is that when you explore something and you try something new, you don't just keep it to yourself, but you always, as quickly as you can, you find a way to pay it forward and share it with others, which is, it sounds like exactly what you've done through NFTs Unlocked. So tell us a little bit about what it's all about. Absolutely. So when I was telling you that my cousin got me into NFTs, he kind of took me by the hand and was like, okay, well, you got to do this. You got to download these different applications. And so he got me up and started Vivi. And that was great. And I started buying and trading in there. However, he's like, if you really want to play the, the real game, it's on the Ethereum platform. And so let me explain how this works. And you have to get a hardware wallet, you have to get a software wallet, and you have to make sure that you're doing it safely. And he's like, Make sure, and this is also for everyone's listening, when we're talking about NFTs and investing in NFTs, only spend money that you're willing to potentially lose. Because this is a highly volatile type of investment, you just want to make sure that you're aware that, okay, if you put this out there, it may not come back. So just keep that in mind because, again, it has some great potential for some incredible returns. But again, you can also lose your money. So just kind of keep that in mind. With that said, I was doing this anyways. I was going to go out and I was going to explore this. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start noting everything that I need to know because there was so much information. There was literally like, I probably spent probably a good 200 hours on just understanding all of this stuff, making sure I was safe, making sure I didn't get scammed. And I got almost scammed multiple times. So unfortunately, in this space, because there's such a lot of money moving around quickly and it's not regulated yet, people are very eager to steal your crypto. They're eager to steal your NFTs. And so you have to be on top of it. And the truth is most traders out there at some point might get unfortunately scammed in some sort or some sense, but there's things that you can do to mitigate that. There's things that you can do to make sure that you don't lose your most prized possessions. And what I noticed was that People were just so eager to go out there and start trading. I was like, you know what? Even though this is not necessarily directly in line with my FIRE course and my FIRE information and all of that, what I realized was that, you know what? I can still provide a great service of helping people to understand this at a fundamental level. I can help them understand how to buy and sell these and profit in a way that most people are just going to, I think, throw all their money back in and then eventually it's just going to like get wasted away. And so I created this course basically to help people understand what it is first and foremost, and then also to trade it safely and smartly. And I realized that if I did that, people are going to do this anyways, and the majority of people are going to do it, and they're just going to basically get crushed. So the whole idea of NFTs Unlocked is to really create a collective brain trust. Obviously, I'm in there pretty often. My cousin's in there. And so we're trying to really help people to understand this space, do it safely, do it in a way that makes sense. And then, of course, I always like to tack on some of the financial freedom elements in there as well. And so every week we come on, we do a what's called an alpha call. 
So telling them what's going on in the marketplace, talking about the different projects that are coming out, how to get on some of these whitelist raffles and staying safe. Yeah. I love it. It's all about that community and not having to figure out everything on your own from scratch, but really leveraging people who have gone before you who already know. And I'm sure you're learning as much from the group as they're learning from you. So it goes both ways. And so, yeah, love, love, love that you're always looking to give back and looking to create that sense of community to help others to come alongside you. So in a bit, I'm going to ask you how people can learn more and sign up for that. But before we get there, we're going to roll into our Life and Money Show Spotlight Round. We're going to ask you three questions that we ask everyone. You ready, Michael? I'm ready. All right. First question. Tell us one thing that you do to live a meaningful and intentional life by design. Absolutely. Well, more recently, I've been really learning about how our physiology really impacts how we feel. And so I've been playing a lot of tennis recently. And so part of that is just really, I think, going along the journey of understanding how our physiology affects how we feel emotionally and tying that in every day. So whether it's going out, walking my kids to school, playing tennis and doing whatever else, and then ultimately tying that back and then being in a great state. So when I do sit down to work on stuff, it just fills me up and I'm just really ready to go. So that's, I think, most recently what I've been really concentrating on. Good one. I'm so glad you brought that up because even little things like your posture or just moving your body just in your chair can have a huge profound effect on the mindset that you bring, the state that you bring to everything that you're doing. So I love that you brought that one up. That's a good one. All right. Second question, share with us a life or money hack that has really helped you on your journey that you think will help others as well. Yeah. You know, I think the biggest life and money hack, especially for people that haven't been exposed to some of the things that I would say, I think I've had a very privileged situation where I was born into a family that I was exposed to ideas that most people aren't. I would say, get inspired by other people that have done extraordinary things. And so, you know, looking at someone like Annie, I mean, you've done incredible things in just a short amount of time. You can look at a lot of people and what you see is that, you know what, everyone has the capability of doing extraordinary things, but it does take a decision. It does take perseverance, does take action, and it does take courage. And I think if you get inspired, and so that's why I like kind of going out, watching things on YouTube, listening to podcasts, listening to just extraordinary people in everyday life do extraordinary things. And I get motivated. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I can do that too. Or maybe I could try that out. Or maybe, yeah, just maybe. And so I think just giving that possibility, allowing that to live in your head and believe some of that, I think that's the biggest life hack is knowing that, you know what? Maybe my beliefs of what I think I can and can't do, maybe not. Maybe they're not true. Maybe I can do more. That is so powerful. And just knowing, right, that somebody else out there has done something that you maybe didn't know about or didn't think was possible, even if you're not going to go out there and do that thing, right? Like with Roger Bannister and the four minute mile, even if you're not going to go run a four minute mile, just to know that somebody pushed through the boundaries and did something that people thought was physiologically impossible, to know that that's 
out there and that's possible and then can inspire you to do whatever it is in your life to push the boundary. So I love that. Love that. All right. Last question is share with us one thing that you're doing to make the world a better place. Well, I would say most recently, one of my biggest fears was getting out and speaking publicly. So one of the things that I did in the last couple of years was just to really get out of my comfort zone. And whether that's getting on a podcast, like whether it's yours or even mine, it's just something that like I never thought that I could or would do, except again, I got inspired by other people. I'm like, you know what? If they can do it, then maybe I can too. And I thought, you know what? Maybe if I'm speaking, I can reach more people. And it's true. So recently, we were both at Dustin Heiner's real estate conference at RubeCon, and he asked me to speak. And I'd never spoken in front of a group before ever. And so I was like, well, NFTs aren't really that related to real estate investing. I mean, I guess they could be. He's like, yeah, figure out something. You're going to go talk. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll figure it out. And so I was just terrified to do this. And ultimately, I figured it out. And I was like, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? I could fall on my face. Everyone would laugh at me and whatever. I'm not going to die though, right? And in the end, everything worked out great. Being able to do the podcast frequently has really helped. And so when I got up there, I actually felt pretty comfortable. And it's actually even fun. So I think what my way to give back is to always allow myself to grow so that it can create more impact. And as long as I'm having fun along the way, I think I'll always do that until the day I'm no longer here. Yeah. Wow. Well, I must say, I had no idea that you had never done that before, because as I recall, there was standing room only for your session. In fact, I was standing out in the hall watching you give this presentation. You totally rocked it. I had no idea. So you were, even though there might have been some fears going into it, I think you were a tremendous speaker. And I agree that opening that door and pushing yourself then opens up the door for for even more impact, which is what we're all about. So Michael, the time has come. Tell everybody if they are interested in learning more about NFTs or anything else that you offer, tell them what's the best place that they can go. Absolutely. Well, if you just want to learn about NFTs, you can definitely learn. I've got a few articles on my site, financiallyalert.com. And I talk about what NFTs are at its basic level. And you can understand a little bit about how they're bought and sold. And if you really want to dig in though, I do have this investment group that includes a full-blown course of seven modules, as well as a weekly alpha call where we come on every week and we you know, meet up in Zoom and we talk about the projects that we're investing in and the different opportunities out there. And if you'd like to check that out, go to nftsunlocked.com. And I will give your listeners a special discount code if they're interested. We'll do good egg, make it nice and simple. If you use the code good egg, I'll give your listeners $250 off the join fee. Wow, what a steal. You can use those $250 to buy more gems for your NFTs. I love it. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Michael Kwan, creator of the blog Financially Alert, co-host of the podcast Breakthrough Millionaire, author of the book The Fire Planner, and of course, creator of NFTs Unlocked. Michael, thank you as always for being here and sharing your infinite wisdom with us and our listeners today. Thank you so much for having me, Annie. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you 
and chat. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations. 